Man Talk on 702. Debbie Howes is my guest. She's a clinical psychologist. She joins me to have this conversation about grief, how men grieve. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thanks. Lovely to be here. Tell me me about whether or not men and women grieve differently. Is that true? And there are a lot of differences, especially when there are stereotypes about um, how a man should grieve compared to that of a female, Um, especially with the old role stereotypes that a a man or a a young boy child is often um, exposed to in early childhood, especially if he was talking boys don't cry or be the Mm. strong one. And that can inhibit their later expression of grief. So there are, and women are encouraged a lot more readily to express their emotions. So sometimes it has been quite a challenge for men to grieve because of these stigmas. Talk to me about the nature of that challenge. Um, I get the fact that there is a societal, and again, we're talking in very broad terms here. Uh, and there are obviously exceptions to all of the issues that we're going to be raising tonight. So I'm very much aware of that. We're talking in very, very broad terms. And that in itself can be quite dangerous, I suppose. But let's, let's continue down that, that, um, that avenue for a while, Debbie, before we get into the variations in this conversation. The, 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 the question I want to ask is, is what is the nature of of the of the male type of grief grief that seems to be constrained somehow what is the nature of that um there's lots of different applications of it one of them is they can go into denial where they just switch off and say well i hope it hasn't happened and just try and completely ignore it and not deal with it which is like putting it underneath the carpet and hoping it will go away. Another aspect of it is projections, where they can project the problem onto other people and um, try and um, blame others or project the anger that they're experiencing onto others. Um, can also They can distract from it, where they try and distract and keep themselves busy and overwork and over... Uh, absorb themselves in outer distractions to avoid having to face the grief or sometimes it can even manifest in addictive behaviors where they turn to substances to also just help to numb the feelings because as it often with males they're not encouraged to feel because it sometimes is frowned on especially when they're emotional mm. and um, to feel valued and loved in society they sometimes have to live up to these um, expectations of being strong and balanced and whole, and uh, just to have a deeper sense of self. Yeah. Give me a call if you have had the occasion to grieve for whatever reason. Did you find that your grieving process was constrained for whatever reason? Has the socialization that Debbie is speaking speaking about? Uh, found a way of constraining your grief in a particular way? Did you feel like you were constrained? Did you feel like you could have 
been a lot more expressive in your grieving but couldn't because of the way that you've been socialized i'd love to hear from men who've been in a situation where they've lost a parent a loved one um they've lost a a spouse they've lost a child um how did you grieve did you did you let it all out uh, are there still vestiges of that grief still lurking, even if that moment occurred a long, long time ago? I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about that. Um, my guest is Debbie House. She's a clinical psychologist. Talk to me about the energy or the unspent energy of grief, Debbie, that if we don't let it all out, what happens to us? Um, it can manifest as sicknesses and disease in the body where the body will actually um, internalize a lot of that stress and that energy that hasn't been released. So it implodes into the body rather than externalized to be free and to be healed. So that is one symptom. Also, if, it's, if you don't uh, desensitize and heal the pain of the loss, that pattern comes back to you. It re- repeats. Because we often keep repeating the same problems until it's healed. So if they've had a separation, if they haven't addressed it, then in the future they'll attract a same kind of separation because circumstances just keep coming to you until you can resolve it and finally face it and confront it. And then it can bring resolution to bring change. So repetitive Patterns will repeat if the grief is not healed. It can manifest as sicknesses. It can also sabotage future relationships where those um, wounds will keep surfacing of either mistrusting relationships because they might fear that they might be um, taken away or lost. And that can often shut down their heart to open and fully receive love and support in the future or trust. Um, anything that they can't open up to, which can also sabotage quality of relationships in the future. Um, so it has a lot of repercussions in, in different forms for each person. And it can also make them lose faith in their own abilities to um, be present um, and to cope with things where they'll become very restless, very distractible, hyperactive, and it creates a lot of anxiety and even depression can result. Mm. Debbie, are we trying to make men like women in this sense? Is, it, is, is, that, is that the idea here? Or are we having a conversation that says men can grieve uh, as deeply as they should grieve, but as men? Because there are some that are saying now that, uh, what's this? You're trying to make us women. I don't think that that's what the conversation is about. I think the conversation is to say that there's a capacity to grieve. And I imagine that grieving, especially when there's been major tragedy, can be very cathartic, right? Uh, and I, I get the sense that we're not saying that men should grieve like women, but we're saying that because of certain cultural, because of certain socialization processes, uh, we can have a situation where we don't grieve as completely as we could in order for us to have that catharsis. Uh, Help me out here. Um, Yes, sometimes the expression of emotion um, as a female can be slightly different to the way the male expresses it. But the important aspect is to be able to face it, 
to confront it, to breathe through it, and to process it. Also, what's important with belief system is to actually address the belief system underlying that, mm-hmm. to support that. Um, and that's important to do for both men and women, is to address the underlying patterns or belief systems that lead to that loss. So that once, because whatever we believe on a deeper level will manifest in our life. So by changing the belief systems or even learning from that experience of grief to perhaps identify um, what you might have need to grow from or what lessons you might need to have learned from it um, and then to take all that new information to become empowered for the future. But to just leave it and to go into denial, whether it's male or female, um, it does have repercussions that will compromise quality of life at a later stage. So for men, the grieving process um, can be slightly different to female, but it still needs to be faced and dealt with and confronted. Yeah. I mean, is there any truth in what I've just said? Because I just said it because, you know, just, is there any truth to the idea that grieving completely can be cathartic? Um, yes, it does. And especially for tears, because they've done studies to show that um, the tears in themselves have got um, molecules and DNA things that if you actually let the t- if you actually lick the tears, it has its own healing solutions in that. Um, so tears are very because it lets the waters flow and it releases the chemicals, the um, the adrenaline and the cortisol that are all stressed out of the body. Um, sweating as well, or also an aspect of um, grief sometimes if there's a lot of trauma. So it's a natural body response to, to, to be crying. And sometimes tears are suppressed, especially in the males, where they, they're taught not to cry or to hide it or to suppress it. Um, so it can be very cathartic to grieve. And often the quicker you grieve, the more you do it, um, the more cathartic because it brings a lot more release for future expansion into healing. I want to take some calls. I want to remind you that this is a very sensitive subject and it can be very, very triggering. Uh, As Dr. Eve always says, please look after yourself as we have this conversation. Peter is in Douglasdale. Hi, Peter. Yes. Hi, go ahead, Peter. Good evening to you. I've heard what I think is the most intellectual nonsense about grieving. My son has just died and we have grieved. We've cried. We've hugged each other, um, and you know there, there's no mechanism about this. It's just truth. You deal with it, you love each other, and you do your best. That's all I have to say. Elaine Douglas, there. Sorry to hear about your son, man. Mm. Very sorry to hear about your son. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Peter's. Uh, um, point is about the nonsense but, but but what do you gather about that? Um, losing a child is one of the most difficult losses that anyone can experience. It does come with a lot of anger a lot of pain and I think um, with the caller that he phoned in I think the most important thing is he actually is feeling it and it has yeah. a lot of depth 
and it is very difficult. So it's quite understandable that um, until you've really experienced it, um, I'm sure a lot of people can't actually understand the depth of the pain of losing a child until you've actually experienced it. Um, And it does, the healing is um, very difficult and intense. So just, yeah, we have to just have a lot of compassion. Indeed, yeah. indeed, indeed, In, absolutely. Mm. I'd love to take your calls on double one eight eight three zero seven zero two. You have had a tragic moment in your life. Um, you're listening to this conversation. You perhaps feel that um, you know you haven't perhaps grieved as as deeply as you could have because of the way that you've been socialized, educated, the underlying beliefs that might be there about grieving as a man, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you on on 011-883-0702. It is indeed a triggering conversation. It is a difficult conversation that speaks about uh, an experience that sometimes is difficult to fathom. Um, You know, when we lose our loved ones, it's, it's, you know, I... I tell the story, Debbie, of something that happened to me last year. My my father passed on, mm-hmm. and and mine was a was was quite strange. And I've you know told the story before, because my my father and I had a very complicated relationship. There was deep deep love between my father and myself, but over the years we'd become estranged. And when he passed on. Oh, and and then we, then we 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 managed to be civil <laughs> mm. um, over the years, and 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 we 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 connected in many different ways and ways that we hadn't before. But his his passing was really strange, and I still you know feel that even now, in that it it has been a very lingering, very long process of of coming to terms with his passing. Um, I, 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 still, I still have to remember and say to myself, you know, you're probably not going to see him again. You know, I, I still have to say those kinds of things. Now, my mind understands that. But there's a part of me that seems not to be happy to accept that my father has passed on. And, and I don't know whether that is part of the conversation we would be having about grieving as a man would it um often that part of us that can't come to terms with it is our inner child that gets wounded and often it's the inner child part of us who haven't had our needs met as far as that um that aspect of a parent if it's a father then it's often that longing for that protection that love or that somebody at your side to fight your battles, to take a stand. Um, so often if that was missing, and sometimes our parents can't fulfill those roles adequately because they themselves weren't fulfilled in their early childhood. And then it's a constant looking and searching for that role. Um, and if we don't heal it in ourselves, we're constantly looking for a perfect father or a perfect mother. Um, and that is often our challenge is to learn how to become that for ourselves and to become whole in that. But, um, yeah, the, the different, and the female, the loss of a mother is often loss of emotional support. Um, 
But if it, it wasn't even there sometimes in that parent, even while they're alive, it becomes a loss even before the person passes that they don't have it. So grief can also be a loss of some emotional principle that's missing, even though the person is there. Um, so most people are grieving the loss of their own inner child because their inner child isn't playing and having fun. They've lost the vibrancy of their own child nature who's been suppressed as we have to grow up too fast in life and be burdened with a lot of responsibility. So loss can manifest in very <clears throat> um, subtle ways as well other than tangible physical loss. It can be emotional loss as well of support structures that are not available. Are you are you uh, saying to me, Debbie? Uh, let me see if I, I'm understanding you correctly. Could it be that I'm understanding you to be saying that grief can have a sort of delayed response? That because of the estrangement of me and my father at a younger age, and his later passing, when I'm an adult, when he was an older man, could also include the grief that I felt having lost him when I was younger? Yes, that's it, because the loss actually comes in early childhood. Wow! <laughs> it's in principle he wasn't there, even though physically he was there. The principle of what a father stands for was missing, and that's a loss for the child. And that's why when he physically passes, it's, um, it's just another form of loss. But the loss comes earlier. And most people are, have lost um, a parent as a possibility, as a principle. Even though the parents are there, sometimes parents are wounded children themselves, so they can't fulfill that role. So their child grows up with loss right from the beginning. So it does, ex it's, yeah, that's how we, we, we have lost. That's why it lingers even after the death of the parent, because they're still looking for that ideal role model. And unfortunately, we look for the ideal parent and, and in, our, in our spouses, in our children, in our friends, and we never find it until we learn how to be our own mother, our own father, and balance the male and female principles inside of us. And that each person has to do, whether you're male or female, everybody has to balance the male and female principles inside of you, and we have to heal our inner child inside of us. So the balance of the mother-father-child is a normal part of the grieving process for both males and females. And it isn't different because it's, everybody has to learn to balance those qualities. Yeah. I have never thought about it that way or heard about it that way. That it is possible that there can be a delayed sort of reaction. Mm. In the grieving process. In other words, I lost my father as a child. Yes. But, but, but he wasn't physically unalive. Mm. But the grief for that loss becomes amplified when he is, when he passes on physically. Yes. Because, because it's that echo, it's that... I don't know how to, um, there's an echo, a, a, a big wide space in my consciousness sometimes that, that, that just echoes, just keeps echoing all the time that 
and, and, and it's it's a very lonely, very echoey, very mm. sad space, very big, wide space that I haven't been able to rationalize until now. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's a yearning. It's a yearning for the ultimate, perfect uh, father that none of us really have. And um, but it is a yearning that does need to be filled. Um, and that's why we all have to learn how to become that and to embody the adult male for ourselves, where we can trust ourselves to take a stand, stand up for you, fight your battles, be assertive, take actions, set boundaries, because those are the principles of what the adult male stands for. It's action, it's assertiveness, it's confidence. That's what we learn from a role model of an ideal father. And if we don't see those qualities in our biological father, then we don't know how to do it for ourselves, how to be our own father. And then we look for it constantly in outer authorities. And we only get disappointed over and over again because we never find it outside until we become that for ourselves. I wonder to what extent then, and I'm going to take a call from uh, Monica in a few moments' time. I wonder to what extent then... Has the prevalence of absent fatherhood in the lives of many men who may be dealing with what I've just described and you have helped me sort of uh, understand to a certain extent. I wonder how prevalent then is this wide space in the consciousness of men um, that I've just described. Because we, we do have a phenomenon of absent fatherhood. Uh, I've had the, the conversation on this very program uh, about absent fa- fatherhood and, and, it's, and, and, its, and its consequences. Sorry, um, Debbie, go ahead. No, sorry. Um, and yes, it is, it is very widespread. But unfortunately, what happens is the child is forced to become the adult instead. So the child tries to fill that role of the father, but as the child. And they can't because it's like a, a grade one trying to be They're a child, child, sure. So it puts a lot of burdens on the young boys to become and step up to be that adult. Especially if the mom is widowed or she's um, separated or divorced, then the child feels that he has to be the man of the house and he has to now step up and be the adult. And it compromises their inner joy to be the child. And then they lose that creative spark, that magic of the child that can just play and have fun and create and live in the moment. And that gets compromised. And so they lose their inner child. And that's a loss of our inner child, which has also become something to grieve because they've been forced into adulthood too soon. So not only do we mourn the loss of a missing father, but then when the child becomes the adult, they, lo- they mourn the loss of their own inner child self. Let's talk to Monica in uh, Mapeta. Hi, uh, Mamrudi. Hi, Aubrey. I'm your guest. Go ahead, go ahead. Very interesting topic. topic yeah. Sometimes... You also have this void in you, and you avoid. Hello. Yeah, listening to you. Listening yeah, to, I'm yeah. saying some. Yeah, just to add what uh, Davia said. Sometimes you have this void, and you avoid, and you, you you avoid to be present in any funeral. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you you just you distance yourself because it, it triggers you. 
Uh, I just want to talk about funeral and the rituals that uh, that helps us to heal. You know, as a woman, they have uh, a morning clothes. So sometimes women they heal faster and better because their loss is being shared by society. Remember, they are wearing the morning clothes. Yes. So everybody just extend their empathy, whether by words or by heart, even if they are strangers. So it helps them that. But when we came, when we come to men, men, their morning is very short and it's just an unbent. So that is why they don't go through the process. Another thing of healing is to remove the clothes of the deceased yes. as soon as possible. But now people, they don't want to... Uh, uh, to remove the clothes because maybe there are labels in that or they think that it's part of their healing. But in most cases, they don't heal because there are clothes in the in the wardrobe. And another last thing is the herbals. Uh, normally, it is known by these people who are herbalists. Mm. So that, that they, they call it musapil because it helps you to, to, to heal and to become... You know, it just make everything that, you know, it, it just so fortified you because of the loss. So, but in most cases, yeah, in people no longer go and find that, or there are no longer those people who are able to do that. That will help you to heal. I think grief is is, is very painful. Unfortunately, we will all we all go through it. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. it's not our death. Monica in Mapeta, thank you so much. Debbie, are rituals that allow us to go through the process and, of course, those that give us a closure. Um, uh, Monica speaking, of course, of the mourning clothes. So if a woman is widowed, um, in our culture, you'll find that they'll dress up in black. For a certain period of time, it can be six months, a year, maybe sometimes even longer. But she makes the very powerful point that it is a, a shared, a shared process that can perhaps allow. But men, on the other hand, don't do it as openly as that. And therefore, their grief becomes a far more private affair. Um, and maybe that, that, that shared grieving process is not uh is not present and maybe that's part of the reason why we don't see um a quicker healing as far as men is concerned through the grieving process uh, debbie um yes and it indicates with females um it's more comfortable to receive and to open up and to embrace collective healing where you allow that support and surrender into it, which is more socially accepted. But it's more the nature of the male to feel that they have to give out a lot more than what they receive. Because mm. they have a sense of value. If I'm giving others, I, I shouldn't be receiving. So the challenge is for males is also to trust that receiving is also um, something that they can let go into and surrender into and open up to that collaboration through shared um, experiences of their own emotions. Although a lot of men prefer to deal with their emotions alone. Yeah. They prefer to go through it um, in a in a more male way, which is um, also can sometimes be... Um, 
their own way, which can also sometimes work as well. Yeah. Debbie, what is grief? Grief is a, um, a sense of separateness, which indicates a belief system that we're not whole. Because if we actually were whole in ourselves and we were, and we did believe that everything we need is inside of us, um, we would recognize that any form of separation is only temporary and doesn't take away from us at all. Because, um, But it's all of our lessons to get to that wholeness where we can recognize that anything we need outside is actually inside of us. Um, so it's often there's an op- opportunity to become more whole and complete and balanced inside of us until we can recognize that we are one with everything and there is no separation. That's why sometimes people with spiritual connections or religious connections can access a form of that support, which can also help to bring in that sense of wholeness and completion. Um, and everybody does it differently. You know, as, as, as Monica was speaking now, and she, she, she gave me the word I was looking for, for that space, that big open space. It's like a big wasteland, a big desert, a big... <laughs> and she called it a void. Yeah. Uh, and I'm interested to hear how do we close that void as men who perhaps because of the absence of the father principle, or the male principle in our lives, we don't know how to because we, we were never taught. Mm. Uh, it, it appears that women are are a little more advanced, a little more developed in their ability to to face grief than us as men because of some of the things that you've mentioned. Um, how do we close that gap? How do we close the void? How do we feel whole again? Um, but before you answer that question, let me take a call from Mariah in Ravonia. Hi, Mariah. Hello, Aubrey. Sorry to butt in on what is essentially a man's emotional. Um, no, um, man. Good. We need your 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 presence, Mariah. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you, Aubrey. Because I can relate to a lot of what has been said so far. Yeah. And um, one is what you were saying about your own relationship with your father, and I actually have the same um, with mine, except that he passed away not in this country but in another country, and so mm. we haven't seen each other for a long time. But what, when he did pass away, it wasn't only the grief of that happening, but also the guilt, the enormous guilt that you haven't done enough then, you know, mm. back then. And of course, you can do nothing about that guilt because, you know, it's all past and, you know, what your actions were. It's also then a, a, a try, you, you've got to try and, and, and understand why. But anyway, there's that. There's another aspect which I can also relate in terms of men is where um, if people have been, your family has been relying on you to kind of like, you know, be strong and so forth. When when things collapse around you, <laughs> you can't collapse because they're looking up at you. Absolutely, you know? yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't. Yeah. There's been another aspect which is not just, I mean, it happened to me, but I think it can happen to men too, is where... I was in a relationship back then and so forth. We broke up and then and nobody, all the people around me were not in favor of that relationship. So when it broke up, yes, you know, they were sympathetic, 
Anyway, this person then came back, and of course, and, and not of course, but I took him back, and um, and people were skeptical. But then we broke up again. Well, this time, I I was shattered, but I didn't dare express it because it's like you don't want people to say, well, you know, you told should you know so. better. Yeah. We told you so. You know, so you bear that. You have to because you. You, you just, you can't get that, you can't even claim that support. So you've got to seek your, um, you've got to seek an outlet for that grief elsewhere. But there's, so there's that aspect as well of where you feel you've created the problem. Anyway, that's my cup and swirl. Thanks. All right, thanks very much for your call. Much appreciated. You know, Debbie, I'm, I'm tempted to say this. But I have no science to back up what I'm saying, so I'm going to say it, and hopefully you'll 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 correct me. Mm-hmm. Grief in this conversation doesn't sound like something. It sounds like nothing. It sounds like a big nothing. It sounds it sounds like a, a big nothing, right? a, a lack of vitality, a lack of. Is, because 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 something you can almost put your hands around it and grab it the the elusiveness of grief the nothingness of grief is part of the frustration comment mm-hmm. um yes and you have nothingness um does seem on the outside to other people as if it's quite intangible and it's not easy to understand when you're in it. Um, but it's important to note also that um, the grief that we experience in our physical body, it comes from the unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind is a child. And it doesn't have access to rational insights. Like what the, la- the lady was just saying now, that um, often what you feel inside is very different to intellectually if you think of reasons. It's not often very logical. Like people tell you don't do this and we still do it contrary to what our head tells us. Mm. Our body acts mm. differently. So our body doesn't get the same information that we intellectually know. Our body is the unconscious mind which has the logic of a child. It's not rational. And that's why often what we can't think our way out of problems because the feelings don't follow it's like telling somebody to stop drinking and our body will still do it. Mm-hmm. It's like telling somebody, oh, just get over it. But the body still feels the pain. So that's where the grief, the emptiness, that void is coming from the wounds of our us as an inner child because that's where the body holds onto it. So often that void that you previously mentioned comes from, as again, once again, I said in early childhood, it's not just the missing father, it's the missing mother principle as well, which can also exacerbate that void. If the mother principle is missing, which is the love, the physical touch, the support, the compassion, the understanding, if that's missing, then they also grow up with a void of not feeling heard, not feeling um, noticed and visible and and then they don't feel that they have a right to be. So it's difficult to generalize as to what they're grieving, but each person is grieving either loss of the male principle or the female principle or the child that's in them. And that is often determined by the early family context. Um, And that needs healing to fill that void. And each person's lesson is how to do that inside of them. 
Because once we can do it ourselves, we can start to heal the pain in our body. Yeah. Zaki on the WhatsApp line says, Robs, am I wrong if in saying that some of the factors that contribute to males not grieving is pride? That makes it difficult not to open up. And that's from Bongani in uh, the Val. It's interesting that, yeah, what can look like pride sometimes, Bongani, is something else. Debbie? Pride is often a fear of being judged or invalidated or um, um, humiliated. So often pride is just sometimes a mask for deep feelings of insecurity or deep feelings of of being judged or ostracized or labeled or minimalized in some form. So often it's just an outer masking of inside feelings of incompetence or lack especially if they've been forced into being the adult in early childhood to soon. It's very overbearing. Well, Charles says, good evening, Aubrey. I lost my mom in 2019 and throughout the period of funeral arrangements until burial, I tried my best not to show my emotions uh, through crying and mourning because I believe men don't cry. I believe I had to be strong for my siblings, but however, this really had a very negative impact on me. Few months after that, I turned into a very emotional person at home, and I would, uh, at some point, hear my mom's voice calling me. I had to see a psychologist to help me heal. Uh, men allow yourselves to be emotional, says Uncle Charles. How do you respond? Um, often there's a strength in vulnerability, and once we can recognise, even for men, that it's not a being vulnerable to cry; it's actually a strength. Because if, if you can express our emotions in that way, it gives other people permission to do the same. And then everybody can recognize that we're all humans and that this is a natural way to, to express ourselves and to, um, to drop all those limitations and belief systems that have put a lot of pressure unnecessarily on, especially the male principle. Yeah. When, so I come back full circle. Um, Debbie and and say many of the things that we've discussed tonight seem to be true for both men and women Um, but what is it that can be said to men specifically about the grieving process that can help us rise above these learned ways of thinking and of feeling and of being that may keep us away from the cathartic um, the cathartic effect of grieving I think the most important and it's not just for males but it's for most people is to learn how to be your own mother which means gently positively talking to yourself in a reassuring way to say to yourself um, it's okay to cry, I'm allowed to, I'm normal, this is okay, I'm allowed to express myself, because that's what an ideal mother would say to you, and to be your own mother, and to give your own self permission to be a human, and then um, to also be the father for yourself, which means assertively stand up for yourself and let people know, I'm allowed to cry, and um, this is normal, and I'm, this is what I'm doing now, so that you assert that confidently, where you take charge of your own emotional expression, but in a way that you communicate to others that I'm fine with it. 
and I'm doing this and I'm happy with it. Um, and that gives you your own permission to do it. And it actually empowers and teaches others that it's okay to be that human, to feel it. Because often when we can feel, we can heal. But as long as we suppress it, it does cause repercussions. So to be your own mother and father, be gentle with the sounds and encourage your own expression. When we can feel, we can heal. Debbie, how's, uh, tell, tell us how we can get in touch with you if you want to continue these conversations, consult, hear from you. Sure. Um, my website is www.debbiehouse.com. That's D-E-B-B-I-E-H-O-W-E-S. And my cell phone number is 82 